Welcome to Death Do Us Part Podcast, hosted by my wife, Jamie. Hello. And myself, Mark. What up, y'all? Hey. Hey. Mark's sick. I'm sick. So he's being a giant wiener. I feel like every time we're on air, one of us is sick. Well, that's because baby Jesus hates us. No. Yeah. There's no other fucking explanation. So I'm sorry if I'm breathing heavy with the yards and... Now my lungs are congested with fluid. That's gross. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm having a hard time breathing. So, <laughs> which I would just like to point out that it's the heavy breathing is <clears throat> no different than normal. Sorry, it feels different for me. It doesn't sound different. You're fine. You're good. I'm a mouth breather. You are. You are. So what up? Nothing. Uh, I lied. There's something. What? Guys, I got a motherfucking cricket. You did. From one of our badass Patreons, mm-hmm. Roxanne. Thank you, Roxanne. Dude, you're the tits. I'm mm. putting that on a fucking t-shirt. Mm-hmm. That's the first one I'm making for you. Yes. Because you're... Amazing, and the explanation that went along with it actually brought me to tears. Yeah, so, it did. I can confirm yeah. that. She's she's a fucking badass with what she's been through and what she's doing, and she runs a mental health clinic, which is fucking amazing yeah. to me. Thank so, you for doing that. It, <clears throat> absolutely amazing. It is such needed. It's it's not even funny. Yeah, and I was telling her that. So this case and the next case we're doing. I don't want to say it focuses on mental health because it doesn't necessarily focus on mental health, but this case is prime example of what happens when you don't get help mm-hmm. because you can't get help. And the next one is just it. It was if you think it's a stigma now, it was a huge stigma then, right? And she really just put it out there for everybody to fucking see. Yeah. So a little bit. Because June's PTSD Awareness Month. It is. Which is what, teal? Yeah. Sorry, I painted my nails hot pink. Not to, I don't have teal. I don't think I have teal. Mm. Whatever. My bad. Mm. So. Meh. We got a motherfucking cricket. So, mm-hmm. guys. Merch. Yeah, whatever you guys want, pretty much now. I can do with the one that I have. Because I don't know a single motherfucking thing about it. Yeah, we so, got to learn how to work at first. I had before. my sister-in-law pick one out. <laughs> she <laughs> tell me which one to get. Which does have a beginner's guide to it. Okay. So. Um, but, dude, I can start cranking this shit out. What do you guys want? I can make bags and tumblers and stickers and shirts and sweatshirts and sweatpants. Mm-hmm. I can make everything. Yeah, we let's limit it first because we gotta fucking buy the shit first. Well, yeah, I know that, but <laughs> I gotta know what to buy. Yeah, I gotcha. So, I mean, duh. But it's a, it's a start. Now we can make what you want, dude. I, so. almost, I almost fucking peed when the Amazon guy dropped. It I off. think tumblers are gonna be a big thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. I wonder if I can do pens too. Mm, I guess no. I can do from what. From what my sister-in-law told me, I can do everything but, like, wood and, like... You said wood. Huh, fabric. Like, I can't make fabric. Yeah. I can put shit on fabric, but I can't, like, make it. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited for you. Everybody in the house is going to be wearing clothing that I have made for them. <laughs> the Jamie line. And, by the way, Merry fucking Christmas, because that's what you people are getting. Right. So. <laughs> but for real... I need to make a trash panda shirt. Mm-hmm. Like I, I ha I feel like I have to. Mm-hmm. I don't know what shirt I'm gonna make Roxanne first. Probably. I'm the tits. Uh, yeah, I, I, that's a pretty cool one, I would say that. Yeah. She got some big old titties too. <laughs> so motorboat. Yeah. Congratulations to her. <laughs> Seriously. Mm. So what do you got for us? Oh, wait. <clears throat> we, we have some new Patreons that we got to shout out. I got two. Okay. Two. I have Michelle. 
Thank you, Michelle. And I have Diane. Thank you, Diane. And I, we already said Sarah, right? Because I like her last name. I believe so, yeah. yeah. Okay. So those are two new Patreons. Awesome. Thank you, guys. So, guys, if you want to hear stuff, let me know. Let me know. Yeah, we went down the list quite a bit. Yeah, we have so. one Patreon who works from home for um, a company. I guess I shouldn't say what it is. She's, she said there's a shit ton of them, and they talk about us. Hmm. Yeah. What it's are you probably talking bad about? about you. Like, she she left me a message. Oh, yeah. okay. Wow, you can't follow. No. Yeah. It's like, talking about what? Man, I pulled a fucking watermelon monster out of the fridge. I don't know. I must have left it in the kitchen. Whoops. Motherfuckers. You got a monster and you it's got a big like fucking I got tube, a sip so. left of the monster. Well, you have a full extra large fucking liter of tea. It's iced tea, unsweetened, no sugar. Judgy McJudgerson. Whatever. You got 17 fucking spit bottles in front of you. What's the difference? Two. Two. 17. Same difference. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, what else did I want to talk about? Oh, uh, guys. Okay. So, Marnie Yang. Yeah. The case that we did. Yeah. Um, so, she went to court last week. Yeah, it was last week. Mm-hmm. Now, um, they, they have denied her stage three uh, hearing mm-hmm. based on the grounds that the information provided was information provided at the first trial. Which um, is horseshit. Yeah. Because none of it was. Right. Um, so I'll go on a small tyrant and then I'll stop. I don't fucking understand how this shit happens. I don't get it. It's our criminal justice they, they, system. They withheld evidence, they lied, and they still are refusing to give her another trial. Some counties are more fucked up than others, <clears throat> and Lake County is bullshit. Is what it is. Lake County and Cook County. I swear to God. It's. It's to the point where it's unethical. It is unethical. Yeah. There's no other way around it. You're not getting a fair trial. She didn't get a fair trial to begin with. There's exculpatory evidence that was discovered that they're saying that they had already. Okay. If you had it already, she wouldn't have been fucking convicted. Right. It's it's literally that simple. Right. So I, I don't. I don't get it. It angers me. It makes me very mad because all I can think about is, what if it was my loved one? Yep. And like, y- you know, you know your loved one. Mm-hmm. And they're still telling you, no, 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 no. When you can point at, at tangible, tangible facts. Right. You know, that you can fucking throw in. It'll stick to the wall. And they're still saying no. Yeah, it's fucked up. So, but you got to talk to her. I did. I actually talked to her on the phone for about fifteen minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, very sweet, very sweet. I met her dad, Larry, mm-hmm. who is just—he's just this sweet old guy who likes Red Bull and vodka and just <laughs> wants his kid back. Yeah, he just wants his kid back. Yeah, she's got grandkids. Right. She's never met. His his grandchildren are destroyed. You know, so what a shame. There's my, <clears throat> there's my vent. So if you guys see stuff on social media about it, it's because of me because I think this is bullshit and I think that somebody has to fight for her because, I mean, there are people fighting for her. Don't get me wrong. I didn't mean it for it to come out like that. But I, I, Lake County is it's it, they don't give a fuck. No, it's a you joke. can you can talk till you're blue in the face. You have to expose them, and you have to hit them where it fucking hurts. Like I said, Lake County and Cook <clears throat> County in Illinois, you, you're Awful. not going to get a you're not going to get a fair trial. It's you don't get a fair anything. No, apparently, nope. And it just it makes me wonder because you know I was asking. Well, there's six other exonerees from Lake County, just Lake County, and they're well, Cook County has. Oh, I can't even many. imagine. But yeah. these guys are like coming together and you know so my question when I was talking to Larry and our friend like what made their trial so different than ours right there's got to be a smoking gun which I'm like well don't we have don't we have the smoking gun right I kind of thought we had the smoking gun there's she's too short 
It's not a good enough smoking gun, apparently. It's crazy. So, I appreciate, I know a few listeners sent emails, and I appreciate it very, very much. And I, I told Marnie that we had listeners who were supporting her, and she was beyond grateful to the point of tears. Mm-hmm. So, <coughs> anything I can do to kind of help, I'm going to do. And we're not trying to be biased. I'm Every, not trying to be biased at all. Everything that we've brought out is facts right and i i said it before and i'll say it again regardless of whether or not you think that she did it is there it's irrelevant right they are violating her constitutional rights she is in she's in need of a new trial she deserves a new trial per the law right she deserves a new trial so this is not this is not opinion talking this is this is bullshit she was fucking railroaded right so it just it, and, it's crazy like you said it's all it's all fact it's all factual information everything right. that i said out loud on the podcast i i can show you right i can show you so what are we doing why, why the fuck are we doing this it's crazy and then you get people like the case i'm about to talk about see how i incorporated that mm-hmm. boom um you can't keep them in fucking prison yeah yeah. You can't keep him in prison. Mm-hmm. And then shit like this happens. Yep. So. Yeah. God damn it. It's mind-blowing sometimes. Oh, my God. It's infuriating. Mm-hmm. Absolutely infuriating. Yep. But it just, it's crazy because when I was on the job, I mean, I did whatever I could to close the case. But, like, God forbid if I ever, like, thought, like, thought I was putting the wrong person behind bars. Well, and that's the thing. You did what you had to do to close the case for the person responsible. Right. Not just to close the case because it's a high-profile case. Right. But if we didn't have enough, we didn't have enough. Right. It is what it is. And the differences between the counties blows my mind, too, because... This vape flavor, by the way, is fucking You're phenomenal. You're sucking the fuck out it's of that. It's brand new. I haven't had it before, and it's fucking amazing. It's amazing. Um, like I know what you went through. Yeah. In in you know. To oh, get, I, I would <clears> call <throat> you after I yeah. get off the phone with felony with review. felony review, and yeah. you know I know what you went through, and I feel like every single case was a, a, a an issue with mm-hmm. felony review, and I feel like in Lake County. That shit wouldn't, it, it wouldn't fly. Like, there's no way you would have gotten approval from felony right. review with the shit that they fucking had. Right. So how, how it's supposed to be the law, meaning it's supposed to be um, uniform yeah. across the board. Not wherever you decide that your swinging dick is going to hit. Right. Because that's all that this fucking was. A giant circle jerk of swinging dicks trying to, you know... Do this high-profile case because the guy was a football player. Mm-hmm. Listen, I love football as much as the next person, surprisingly, and I know what I'm talking about. But I don't give a flying fuck who you played for. No, it just if it's a high-profile case, it's it's different. Remember when I had that case with the family member who was a former Chicago alderman? Yes. And oh my god. That, you- can call you at three in the morning yeah in that case i mean yeah it, it should have been approved but at the time no i mean when i called it in no there wasn't enough there wasn't enough but they pushed it through yep. because of who who it was mm-hmm. <clears throat> and they were you know as soon as that person said, "Oh, I'm I'm contacting the media." Go ahead. It, it was all up in arms. Oh my god. Oh my god. That's awesome because with Marnie, we're contacting the media. Yeah. So, suck a dick. No, it's just that? it's it's crazy. Yeah. On a side note, I went to Hell in a Cell last night. Yeah. So took the little man. He yeah. Had a fucking blast. Um. Everybody who commented, um, I love you, <laughs> <laughs> and I want to hug you. But yeah, we, we, he, oh my God, he went fucking nuts. I couldn't go because Dude. they were sold out of handicap seating. So. They were sold out of everything. Yeah, so mama had to take little man by, so, yep. by herself. We had so. a mother Sunday. 
and he had a fucking oh, blast. Oh, my God. The kid went batshit crazy. Yep. I mean, so did I. And so it's okay. For you guys that don't know, <laughs> Hell in the Cell is WWE. Yeah. So. It, it, was, it was a very good show. It yep, was. I watched and it. And we had great seats. And mm-hmm. we screamed loud enough at Jerry and Booker T to get him to look at us <laughs> between I don't know who had a better time Jax and the two little ones behind us or myself and the little one's dad that was sitting behind me <laughs> because we got Booker T's attention so that's awesome yeah and they had a giant Cody head yeah, yeah. and I fulfilled one of my bucket list what's items. that I always wanted to know why nobody ever brought a sign that said, your mom. I know. So I said, if we ever go to an event where I can bring a sign, I'm making a sign that says, your mom. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, I made a sign that says, your mom. <laughs> so, yeah. And oh, our, that was great. our brother-in-law just happened to be sitting literally directly uh, across, across from, from us. Guys, yeah. We were like Morse code fucking flashlighting each other. I was like, dude, take a picture of the sign. You, re- you ready for the sign? <laughs> you ready? Awesome. <laughs> so I made a sign that said your mom. Hmm. Yeah. That's I was, awesome. I was very excited. Yep. Good job, babe. I'm proud of you. I think that's all I got. Well, we're about 20 minutes in, yeah. so. You know, catching up. Yep. I got some cases waiting in the wings, so. Yeah, we do. Yeah. All right. Well, what you got today? Today. I have uh, a serial killer, okay. another one, who I don't know how well he is known. Mm-hmm. I had never heard of him. I never did either. Um, he's, it's relatively local. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> like, when I mention one of the places he worked later, everybody that I work with is going to be like, holy shit, I know that place. Yeah. It's right there. But this so, was suggested by when we were on Fox 32 Chicago. The cameraman. cameraman. Yeah. Yep. So. So, yeah. This is for him. All for him. <laughs> All right. So this, this dude's name is David Edward Moust. <clears throat> Clear your throat. Take <clears throat> a sip. Of my no not good. fucking watermelon monster, which is probably on the <laughs> kitchen table. Mm-hmm. So. All right. David Allen Moust, uh, on October 30th, 2005, Mm. wrote an entry in his diary. They did not call it a journal. They called it a diary. To which I ask you guys, what is the difference? What's the difference? I don't know. So if you guys know the difference, let me know because I don't. And in literally every news article I found about him, it said diary. Really? Not journal. That's interesting. So I don't know. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. So his entry said, excuse me, quote, when I got locked up in the army, and then especially when I got locked up in 1981, I knew I should never be let out again. I didn't know how to act around other people, and I was never taught how to make friends and keep them. When an inmate says he doesn't want out, I hope that somebody listens. Mm. Pretty powerful. Yeah. Mm. So... David Edward Moust was born April 5th of 1954 in Collinsville, Pennsylvania. He was the second of four children born to Eva and George Moust. In 1961, his family relocated to Chicago. And then Eva and George actually divorced when David was seven. Uh, When David was eight, he was sent to live with his father. And he was there one whole entire day. Oh, before George was like, nope, back to mom's you go. <laughs> That's all I can deal with. Awesome, dick. Right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> his parents didn't want to be parents and had pretty shit childhoods themselves. So, I mean, yeah. I feel like you still have a, you can still make a choice. Yeah, you do. Well, they made some fucking choices, so... Uh. Uh, George was actually orphaned at age 12 and was possibly sexual assaulted at one of the many foster homes he spent the rest of his teenage years in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eva grew up on a farm in Georgia, and her childhood was described as depraved and miserable. Jeez. Yeah, get the kids down here. Right? You think you guys got a fucking bad? <laughs> yeah. Um, her stepfather beat her with boards and chains. Mm. 
and her mom treated her uh, like a slave. Jesus. Okay. She was eventually diagnosed as psychotic, which I don't think they use. No, they don't use sociopath anymore. Right. Uh, she was diagnosed as psychotic after spending a month in a mental institution in Pennsylvania shortly after David's birth. Um, <clears throat> David's mother had him institutionalized at the age of nine Ooh. in 1963. He says, quote, I remember when I stood before the judge when I was nine years old. I never understood why I was put in there until now. So he didn't know. Right. Um, <clears throat> He was sent to Chicago State Hospital, which is an institution that was filled with children who were there more often than not because family members couldn't or wouldn't take care of them. Mm. Uh, there was actually one kid who was just dumped there in the summers. Jeez. Yeah. Awesome. This place isn't around anymore. No, 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 no. Yeah. It is now um, defunct. Thank God. Yeah. Um, the way David's childhood behavior was described by his mother um, was dependent really on who you talk to, mm. who she talked to, excuse me. Yeah. Um, some sources, <clears throat> she told some sources that she was shocked at his later behavior, but that he was a beautiful baby. Mm. Other sources, uh, she told she felt David was born to hurt people. Other sources, again, said that he was, he was a good, well-behaved, mild-mannered child. Well. That you institutionalized at the age of nine. Yeah, I'm right. Just throw that out there. So, um, she said that she felt like I said David was born to hurt. Uh, at two years old, he would throw heavy objects at his one-year-old sister. He's two. Same. Yeah. Same. What two-two-year-old doesn't do right. that? Right. Um, at age nine, he allegedly tried to set his brother's bed on fire and then tried to drown him by pinning him underwater at the Humboldt Park Lagoon. His other brother, Jeffrey, said he thought David was molested at a young age by a family member, and that's possibly what led to his destructive behavior. He also said he remembered David beating a squirrel to death with a baseball bat for fun. Yikes. Yeah. So I, nobody really knows like yeah. how he was before he got to the institution. Right. And when he got there, it was fine. Yeah. So this, this pisses me off. In 1963, or excuse me, Eva said by 1963, she could no longer control David. He's nine, you beat him. Yeah. Uh, she said, quote, I did love him. I put up with him for a long time. No. You, Thanks. You have to. <laughs> uh, I would have kept him at home and tried to treat him like the rest. You wouldn't have kept him at home. You did this. Right. The institution, uh, the staff said that they felt that Eva had, quote, dumped David there. Hmm. <clears throat> That's nice. Yeah. Uh, the move had a profound effect on David, who would repeatedly write in his diary that he would cry when separated from the people he loved, especially his mother. One report from the institution said, quote, staff did not observe the lying, stealing, and out-of-control behavior that Eva had described. Uh, the staff actually described him as an appealing, sensitive, and reliable child. He was, however, deeply disturbed by the lack of parental interest and preoccupied by the threat of abandonment. He's a child. Yeah. He's a baby. Of course. Um, <clears throat> he had no incidents of serious misbehavior during his years at the hospital. None. Hmm. And he was there the rest of his childhood. Jesus. Yeah. Well, no wonder he's yeah. screwed up. Uh, he would stand at the window during visiting hours, waiting for his mother, whose visits became increasingly infrequent over time. Staff noted, quote, It is pitiful to see the ways in which he is always trying to reassure himself, excusing his mother to staff, explaining that she is ill or her back is bothering her. Yeah. Uh, when Eva was asked to be specific about the trouble she claimed David caused during the occasional home visits, she immediately became evasive and finally just said, quote, that she doesn't want him at home. Well, fuck you. Yeah, one time the staff said she should bring David uh, with the family on a swimming trip that they were going on. No. Yeah. And she said, quote, I'm not taking him. I wish he would drown. <laughs> Fucking cunt. So the kid's the problem? <clears throat> yeah. The kid's the problem. Got it. Cool. Uh, Eva, Eva would be described as a, by a social worker <clears throat> throughout this time as, quote, disturbed psychotic, needy, narcissistic, and that she was functionally functioning marginally. Hmm. 
again, he's the problem. Yeah, right. Uh, in 1967, at age 13, David was sent to Ulick Children's Home, which is also now defunct, mm-hmm. um, despite promises from his mom that he could come back home. He would later write, and I'm sorry for the use of the R word if it offends anybody, but uh, he would later write, quote, and I know I was not retarded, but I left there in 1967 to go to the children's home. I think my mind was a little off. Shortly after arriving, and by shortly, I mean within days, of being at the children's home, he was approached by another boy who wanted to have sex with him. David did not want to do it, but the boy threatened to tell everybody that he had been in a state mental institution. Uh, David said all he did was kiss the boy, but was left feeling deeply ashamed, um, and that would last for years. Yeah. In 1969, David wrote in his diary about attacking a boy named Eddie when they were playing. Quote, for no reason at all, I started to choke him. I told him I was sorry, and he said it was okay. Eddie was the first person I hurt. Mm-hmm. At 15, David choked another boy named Daniel with a rope while watching TV, saying, quote, I could not stop, and I had no reason to be doing this to him. I told myself this is enough, and I quit, and I let go of the rope, and Daniel fell to the floor. It was like I was trapped inside of me, and someone else was trying to kill Daniel, and I could not stop. In 1970, David was transferred back to Chicago State Hospital. He, uh, however, ran away. He ran away and would never go back. But the first thing he did after he ran away was he went to a Cubs game. Hey. And they beat... They beat Houston 12-8. Nice. Just to throw that out there. Not a huge Cub fan, but no. <clears throat> that's but still But cool. still, I mean, you run away, you go to a fucking baseball game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you come to Chicago, you got to go to a Cubs game. I've never been to a Cubs game. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, you, you got to go. Never been to a Cubs game. At least game. once. It's, it, it, it's a must. Can we get a DD? Yeah. Can we go I'm not a fan of the stadium. When they play the Brewers, should we go? Ooh. Hint, hint, you're being called out. Mm. Just saying. Uh, his mother still didn't want him, so she sent him to live with and uh, work for his uncle in Wrightsville, Georgia. He was actually a pretty skilled worker in construction, which is what he was doing, but got fired after crashing a company truck. Whoops. In 1971, David attempted to return home with his mother, but she came at him with a knife. Oh, lovely. He said, quote, she got a knife and was coming at me. And then with the knife, some of his writing is not the best. Mm -hmm. So plus I am stuck on stupid and stutter now. So, quote, true. She got a knife and was coming at me with the knife, telling me to get out of her house right now or she was going to stab me with the knife. Mm. She later apologized, uh, saying he said, quote, my mother told me, David, I'm sorry. I just don't want you in my house. Wow. But why? Yeah. Why? Poor kid. Yeah. So to get him out of her hair and her house, she took him to an army recruiter. Mm. Uh, in 1971, at the age of 18, David enlisted in the army. He went to basic training at Fort Lewis, and then he went to AIT, which, thank you, uh, Josh, my nephew, is advanced individual training. Ah, yeah, because I because didn't there's know that. all like there's all sorts of kinds of infantry yeah so they send you to training based off of what kind of infantry you want to do oh no kidding is one of the aits Mm. Uh, in 1972 david was stationed in frankfurt germany as a cook he for all you know all Mm -hmm. accounts was an able serviceman with no issues he was an avid bowler with the army bowling league and had an average of 297 dude that's like professional do you have bumpers yeah I need bumpers. I'm serious. That's like professional. Yeah. He won numerous awards and monetary prizes. Mm. However, it was here that David would commit his first murder. In 1974, he befriended a 13-year-old boy named Jimmy McClister, who was in Germany with his parents, who it's believed that they were also stationed in Germany. Mm -hmm. Um, It's said that he befriended teenagers because he lacked an adult maturity level, which makes sense. Yeah, that does. Um, Sources say that Jimmy called David a queer and told everybody that he had seen David masturbating. But he still was friends with the kid. Yeah. Uh, According to David's diary, he woke up in his room with Jimmy on top of him naked. David was also naked. He was upset by the incident, but had no recollection of what actually had happened. A month later... (gasps) Excuse me. David and Jimmy stole some mopeds and went for a ride in the forest. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, using the knife, he forced Jimmy deep into the woods. He then tied him to a tree and beat him with his fists and a mm, board. Jeez. Uh, he said, quote, I never told anybody the truth about that night because it was a sad, bad thing. He was a very good boy, and he did not deserve what happened to him on that sad night in May. Uh, David went on to say that he was angry with himself and didn't know what to do after he had killed him. Yeah. So he picked him up to take him further into the woods. Uh, when he got about 10 feet in, he said Jimmy died in his arms. He then covered him with leaves and left the forest. Now, David said that he promised himself seven months earlier he was going to kill Jimmy when his hair was long. Okay. So Jimmy was growing his hair out. Yeah. Got long, he killed him. Uh, A month later, Jimmy's body was found in a bomb crater. Now, David... Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then... Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. His attorney said Jimmy died after crashing the moped because some teenagers threw a screwdriver in the spokes. And these mopeds were stolen, by the way. Yeah. Uh, because there were no witnesses to say otherwise, David was charged and convicted of involuntary manslaughter and larceny. Oh, wow. <clears throat> he was sentenced to four years in Fort Leavenworth and court-martialed. So that's like a huge fucking to-do. Oh, yeah. Um, David did not want to be released from Fort Leavenworth. Okay. He said, quote, the people there thought I was crazy because I wanted to stay. But I did not think I was crazy. I was happy there and I was not hurting anyone. I was scared to go back there in the real world. I cried so much that all I wanted was to stay there. Wow. This guy's begging for fucking help. Yeah. When you're in Fort Leavenworth, that's like the top mm-hmm. fucking prison. Yeah. And you want to stay? Yeah. Hi, Red Flag. Well, that's, that's saying Hello. something. On May 10th, 1977, David was released by the Army and put on a plane to O'Hare Airport. Uh, David stayed in Chicago and was working as a machinist at, I believe it's F.T. Lytle Machine Company. Uh, he was there for approximately eight months when he stabbed his friend and co-worker Mark Hernert in the stomach with an eight-inch knife. He stabbed him around the area of the belly button and then pulled up. Wow. So he, like, gutted him. Yeah. The guy didn't die. Um, he was actually, and it, it's very fuzzy. There's no, like how he got caught or anything like that along yeah. with this one. Um, but in 1980, he was actually tried for attempted murder. He lied on the stand and was found not guilty. Wow. Uh, David was driving past the state mental hospital, later writing in his uh, diary, quote, I thought to myself that it would not be so bad being in there the rest of my life because I would not be able to hurt someone anymore. And then maybe I could get some help. Uh, in August of 1981, David went looking for the boy that had molested him years prior in the children's home. Uh, he felt the homosexual act was the cause of his shit behavior, and he wanted to kill him. When he got to the guy's house, he found out that he was in jail. There happened to be another kid walking down the street. His name was Donald Jones. Uh, I believe he was 15. Yes, 15. Uh, David lured him into his car. Don't, don't get in cars. Right. Guys, don't. <laughs> Don't. Please don't get in It's cars. never good. It's never mannequin. No. Don't get in anybody's cars. Nope. Check your Uber locks mm-hmm. and turn on your motherfucking location. Yes. Just saying. Yeah. Always let somebody know where you are. Uh, David drove to a gravel quarry in Elgin. He then stabbed Donald in the stomach and eventually drowned him. Mm. Uh, he would later go on to say that he could still hear Donald Jones begging for his life. Oh, wow. So, yeah. <clears throat> David then fled to Texas. 
In December of 1981, he saw Stephen Anderson and Richard Sweet walking home from a 7-Eleven in Galveston. Am I saying that right? Mm -hmm. Uh, He pulled up beside them in a two-tone Chevy Blazer and asked if they wanted to make some money. Fuck yeah. Right? Uh, I mean, I probably wouldn't say no either. Right. (laughs) In this day and age. Yeah. You know what? Let me get my husband. He wants to make money too. Right. Stay here. Uh, Both said yes, but David decided that he only needed one boy. And at this point, Richard Sweet is like, well, this is fucking weird. Yeah. I'm out. So he walked away. Stephen got in the car, though. He uh, did tell David he was going to need to call his mom to let him know where he was. And David's like, all right, cool. Well, we'll drive to my motel a few blocks away. As they were walking into the motel room, David punched Stephen in the back of the head. He threw Stephen on the bed and continued to punch him, threatening to kill him if he screamed. Stephen would later say the last thing he remembers is David taking off his pants. David dropped Steve off at a park and gave him some money to try and keep him quiet. Uh, Steve ended up being hospitalized for a week with severe injuries to the head, face, arms, chest, and back, and he was also stabbed in the abdomen. Oh, jeez. His wrist showed wounds that were indicative of being bound. Uh, Stephen would later say that he asked his mom if he had been raped. And she said that according to all the hospital testing, he had not. But she felt that he was lying to him to protect him. Yeah. But he has no recollection of what happened. And David Moust has never given details of what happened. Um, David was charged and convicted of bodily harm to a child and was sentenced to five years. Uh, He was so remorseful about what he'd done, he repeatedly attempted suicide. He once sliced his face open, uh, quote, so everyone could see the bad marks so they could see my shame. So he, like, branded himself. Yeah. Uh, In 1983, while in jail in Texas, David was extradited to Illinois to stand trial for the murder of David Donald Jones. Excuse me. He would later write, quote, I have been thinking about Donald Jones a lot and what I did to him that Sunday in August. And I have been thinking about the bad thing I did in my life. And now I would like to have the death. The death sentence. I would like to die. Jeez. Uh, Cook County sheriffs came out to interview him before they extradited him, and he would admit to the murder, but he would not sign a confession. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Cook County sheriff wrote on the top sheet of all of David's extradition paperwork, quote, bad guy, Gacy type. Mm. Like a John Wayne Gacy. Yeah. Uh, David was initially found unfit to stand trial. Wow. He was interviewed by countless mental health professionals. Uh, One that said, quote, he is where he is because the system locked him up when he was nine years old for no better reason than he was unwanted. Mm. Uh, At a later trial, another mental health professional, Mark Cunningham, and, or excuse me, he was a clinical forensic psychologist, would say, quote, in fact, one would be hard pressed to design a developmental sequence more likely to produce a profoundly disturbed relationship ambivalent and aggression vulnerable individual than the childhood experienced by david moust wow your parents fucked you up oh yeah that's that in a nutshell Mm -hmm. so david actually spent the next 10 years in the cook county criminal justice system really because mental health professionals could not agree on whether he was fit to stand trial no shit half said they was or half said he was half said he wasn't so it was a constant back and forth um, <clears throat> so after 10 years, he finally pl- he pled guilty to the murder of Donald Jones and was sentenced to 35 years. Mm. Don't get excited. Okay. He received 12 years credit for time served and time off for good behavior. So including the 10 years that he was in and out of mental institutions, yeah. he only served 17 years total. Okay. So after he pled guilty, he only served seven more years. Damn. Um, a fact sheet sent to the Illinois Department of Corrections by the Cook County State's Attorney's Office with his conviction, or excuse me, after his conviction, said, quote, this, is, this inmate is most likely the most dangerous inmate you will house. Damn. But why? <clears throat> he had no infractions in jail. Yeah. I, I don't want to say, I won't say anything about murders but like he he was a model prisoner obviously right. he had no infractions in jail he wasn't mean to anybody so i wonder what made them say that yeah i don't know 
Because, I mean, Cook County, these guys are housing, like, John Wayne Gacy. The the worst of the worst. Right. So I wonder what made them say that. Hmm. Uh, The prosecutor at the time urged that David be kept incarcerated. Yeah. But apparently, under the law, David was eligible for this early release, whether he wanted it or not. Uh, David wrote a five-page letter to the Illinois Department of Corrections requesting to not be released. Wow. Uh, he was eligible as a sexually violent offender to remain in custody of the Illinois Department of Human Services, where he could live out his days at the Sheridan Correctional Center. Did you know that? No. I didn't know that either. <coughs> God damn it. Yeah, you right? rubbed off on me. Uh-oh. <coughs> Uh-oh. Take a sip. Fuck. So he wrote in this letter, quote, I believe in these laws, and I believe that any person who harms or murders another person should never be free to live in society again. I used up all my chances to be free, and I would like to parole to the Sheridan program and live the rest of my life there. Wow. He's begging. Yeah. Begging. Uh, His letter went completely unanswered, and according to an Illinois Department of Corrections spokesperson at the time, D.D. Short, quote, he did not meet the criteria to be placed in any other kind of facility. No, of course not. He's but, only asking right, for Right, he's it, begging to stay in jail. Dude, yeah. I swear. He was released on June 25th of 1999 with no place to go um, and was denied placement in any sort of halfway house also. Jesus so not Christ. only would they not look at his letter, he couldn't go to a halfway house. So <clears throat> he was going to be on parole until 2002, yeah. which three years. Yeah. You're on parole for three years for murder? (laughs) Cool. It's Cook County. So David ended up living in homeless shelters and cheap motels until moving to Oak Park in the year 2000. Uh, Some records say he lived there from May of 2000 to December of 2002. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a little discrepancy later. but Uh, During this time, he hooked up with an ex-cellmate to start a grow operation. Mm. Uh, Dude's name was Anthony Mazur. When Anthony told David he wanted to move to Wisconsin, David started beating him with a pipe. Jesus. When Anthony yelled at him to stop, David stopped. <laughs> I mean, you tell him stop, he stopped. Right. Um, however, the beating resulted in 48 staples and 26 stitches. So eventually, Anthony decided that he wanted to press charges against David because he didn't initially. Yeah. Uh, but told too much time had passed and there was no evidence. Hmm. Uh, in 2002, he moved to Hammond, Indiana, which we know is close. Yeah. Uh, Oak Park police said David was in his apartment until December of 2002, but Hammond authorities said he moved to Hammond in June of 2002. I don't think it really makes a difference. Right. But uh, when he moved to Hammond, he moved into a house owned by Bill Hinton. The house was split into several apartments with several common living spaces. David was also working at a trophy shop that Bill owned <clears throat> called Trophies R Us in Dalton, hey. Illinois. <laughs> Very familiar Everybody with knows because everybody, as soon as you're new and you pass it, you're like, why is there a trophy shop in Dalton? Right, right. Why, why is this here? It shouldn't be here. But that is one of the towns that my task force covered. It's one of the towns that so, I covered. Yes. Yep. So, so very familiar with it. <clears throat> uh, another employee, Nick James, was 19. Uh, he was working at the shop with David. Him and his best friend, Paul Goddard, spent a lot of time at David's house. Uh, David would give the teenagers beer, pot, and cash. To which I say, where the fuck do I sign up for this? <laughs> where do I sign up? Right. I'll bring the chips. <laughs> just say Chips and dip. Yes. Uh, Paul thought David was just being a nice guy because uh, he never really asked for anything in return, you know. Um, in May of 2003, Nick's girlfriend reported him missing. And then September 10th of 2003, Lynn Smith called Hammond police to report her son, James Raganel. I believe I'm probably saying it wrong, so I apologize, but that's how it looks to me because it looks like fentanyl. Uh. Uh, he was 16. Mm-hmm. On the same day, Holly Gilt. Gilkinson called to report her son, 13-year-old Michael Dennis, missing. These two were friends. Neither one of them came home the night before. Uh, The moms also started finding runaway notes all around the house. It wasn't like one specific note. It was like little pieces of paper. Yeah. One would say something along the lines of, I'm tired of things at home. I'm moving to Chicago. 
Another one said, I'm moving to California or Washington State. I haven't decided. I got a job lined up. I'll be home when I turned 18. Mm. Um, another note mentioned Texas. <clears throat> so the police started asking around and talking to the boy's friends. And the friends said that these two usually hung out with a guy named uh, Crazy Dave. Hey. All right. How do we get that? Like, can we get the neighbors to call us? Right. Just saying. Um, they probably already do. They do. But you know what the the best part is? Like, the two moms right next door to us yeah. were all like, hey, did you hear me yelling last night? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, no, you're good. And she's like, good, because I went a little nuts. <laughs> totally cool. It's okay. So... <clears throat> <clears throat> Sorry, guys. Technical difficulties. A little bit. Um, so the friend said that these two kids hung out with a guy named Crazy Dave. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael Dennis actually met David at a community pool. Um, a, ew. <laughs> Let's just start there. Two, um, adults are never going to want to be kids' friends. Right. It, ever. True. True story. You're never going to need to help an adult. You're never going to need to keep a secret for an adult. No. So, Holly, um, the mother, actually knew of this friendship and the time that her son was spending with David. Mm. What? Okay. She said it was cool, though, because, you know, Dennis or Crazy Dave gave him new shoes and stereo equipment. No, that's It's not not cool. cool. (laughs) No. Not cool at all. So the second floor apartment at 4933 Ash became a popular hangout. David would later say he focused on teens whose parents uh, didn't seem to be around a lot, obviously. Yeah. Uh, It's almost like making up for his own parental bullshit, you know? Yeah. Like he was trying to be there for him. So again, he would give these guys beer pot and money. On September 18th, 2003... Hammond Detective Ron Johnson paid a visit to David. He found him smoking a cigar and drinking a beer in his backyard. Same. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Uh, Detective. Chillaxin. Yeah. Detective Johnson said David was actually very courteous and extremely friendly. And he told uh, the detective that he had just finished parole because he was done in 02. Right. David let him search the apartment voluntarily. Come on in. Okay. Yeah. Come on in. Sure. Didn't find anything. Uh, Detective Johnson said that he was immediately suspicious and described Dave as, quote, different. And when he was asked to describe different, uh, the detective was just like, listen, if you met him, you you would know what I mean. (laughs) Um, He's just out there. Yeah. So they had the apartment put on surveillance to see if the boys would actually turn up. Uh, But when nothing happened, the local prosecutor issued a warrant for contributing to the delinquency of a minor just to get him in jail. Wow. Okay. <clears throat> on October 2nd, 2003, he was arrested for that warrant, but posted the $300 bond and was out the same day. Uh, they decided at this point that they needed to search the house more thoroughly. The owner gave them permission to do so, uh, to do a detailed search, including the common areas, which is what they couldn't search before. Right. Because it's not just hits. So he happened to mention that David had worked um, at the trophy shop with him, but he would also do work around the house, including fixing seepage in the basement. Yeah. Uh, when investigators went into the basement, they found a newer elevated concrete slab, possibly 8 by 5 and about 12 inches thick, which Detective Johnson thought nothing of at first, uh, because in this area it's very common to make a platform for a washer and dryer in the basement mm-hmm. to avoid any damages to the appliances in the event of a flood. Uh, and then he realized that the water hookup was on the complete other side of the basement. Uh, so, damn. Detective Johnson called Lake County's canine officer, uh, Commander Dale Bach, on November 20th of 2003. His dog was trained to aggressively alert, which would be scratching and clawing at whatever he was alerting on. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the dog's initial search, the dog went to the same spot twice, but he just barked. did not give a normal response. Yeah. Bach said, though, like, I get it. He's not aggressively alerting, but there's a reason he's going there. So mm-hmm. I would probably pull the concrete up anyways. Um, <clears throat> they ended up calling Bach back a week later after they dug small holes. They didn't pull up the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, this time, the dog aggressively alerted to a small hole in the southwest corner of the basement. Another officer said that he didn't get it on video. So could the dog please do it again? Yeah. 
This time, the dog aggressively alerted in another spot, halfway down the west wall, um, not the same area that he did before. Mm. Uh, Bach told Hammond, now they needed to pull up all of the concrete. Three to four days later, Bach was called back. This time, they also had a concrete expert and a pathologist on scene. That's got to be a pain in the dick. It was. Now, some sources say the concrete was 16 to 18 inches thick. Dude. Yeah. Oh, my God. So they drilled a hole in an area with the old concrete that was less thick, um, about the size of a garbage can. The dog jumped in the hole and started aggressively digging to the point that he had to be pulled from the hole. Wow. The concrete expert said that the newer concrete that was poured was estimated to be about 80 bags. Jesus. You could build a fucking house. Yeah. Yeah. The pathologist reached into the hole and determined that he felt a human knee joint wrapped in plastic. On December 9th, 2003, two bodies were recovered from the southwest corner of the basement wrapped in plastic. They were the bodies of Michael Dennis and Nick James. A third body, James Ragonal, was found in the north end of the west wall. So they were just looking for the two boys. They yeah. weren't looking for Nick. He just, they found him. Oh, my God. Um, James had been repeatedly covered in blue lead-based paint that was about an inch thick. David would later say he put him in the bathtub and was pouring the paint over him to try and hide the smell. Wow. Uh, allegedly, x-rays showed items had been inserted into the... What did I write? I don't know. Um, items had been inserted into the rectums of all three teens. Oh, On December 9th of 2003, David was arrested while riding his bike home from the trophy shop. Lake County Coroner David Pasting said, said he could not rule out suffocation or strangulation on Ragnall or Dennis, but that Nick had been killed with blunt force trauma to the head and then strangulation. David was brought in and interviewed for six hours, to which he said that he did hit Nick over the head and it was too bloody. Yeah. That's why he decided not to beat anybody else. Jeez. <clears throat> During the initial stages of the interview, David stated he had help with the murders, implicating his landlord, an old cellmate, and a neighborhood teen. Uh, he eventually admitted to committing all three murders alone. On September 9th, 2003, Ragnall was drinking beer with David when he got, or yeah, David, when he got sick. He was drugged with alcohol and the date rape drug. David then strangled him and put him in the bathtub and covered him in the paint. <clears throat> on December 13th, 2003, David went before Judge Magistrate Kathleen Sullivan, um, told her that he worked at the trophy shop. He made $320 a week. He had $2 in his bank account, lived yeah. alone, didn't have a car, and wanted to represent himself. Oh, boy. Yeah. It's always a no-no. <laughs> um, Diane Bolton, <clears throat> excuse me, Lake County Prosecutor's spokesperson said that public defenders would be available to assist David if he decided to represent himself. However, the judge questioned him and was like, mm, no. Yeah. Can't do it. Yeah. It was actually the first time in Lake County history that a um, uh, a murderer had wanted to defend himself. Really? And at no point in Lake County history has a murder defendant ever been allowed to defend himself. No kidding. They just don't let him. Yeah. On November 1st, 2005... The same day as David's death penalty uh, trial, the day that it was supposed to start, David pled guilty uh, to the murder of all three teens. He has to be placed in isolation away from everybody because that's what he's used to. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the plea agreement sentenced him to isolation for three consecutive, consecutive life terms. Some family members of the victim said they'd be happy to see David die. Others said they were just happy that it was over. Yeah. Lake County Prosecutor Bernard Carter blamed the Illinois justice system for the teenager's murder, saying, quote, had it not been what Illinois did, we would not be facing these cases now. Hmm. Absolutely hmm. correct, sir. Huh. <clears throat> Again. Huh. Beyond correct. Yeah. Uh, so on January 20th, 2006, David was found hanging in his cell approximately 10 minutes after being told he was to be transferred to a state facility later that same day. Oh, no kidding. He had braided a bed sheet and made a noose and hung himself that way. Uh, he was cut down and transferred to St. Anthony's Hospital in Crown Point, where he was pronounced dead approximately 27 days later. 
27 hours later. I was going to say, uh, wow. Hours. <laughs> my bad. Yeah. Uh, in his seven-page suicide note, he wrote, quote, maybe with my death, the families and the people can go on with their lives and not waste energy wondering why I was still alive. Yeah. So. Man. That is the story of David Mouse. I mean, he was screwed from the beginning. He was fucked. Yeah. He had no chance. No, he, he was and screwed from the start. knew it. Yep. And asked for help. And, it, like, they didn't even tell him to fuck off. They just didn't fucking answer him. Yep. How crazy is that? <clears throat> when someone is requesting to stay in jail, there's a reason. Man. But, I mean, it just it reminds me of when I needed help. Oh, and I was yeah. asking for help. And, no, sorry, there's no place Fuck that... You. Yeah, there's no place that, you know... Because you're you're handicapped, there's no place that can take you. Like I'm I'm asking for help. I'm begging for I, it. I I need it. I desperately need it. This guy begged it to stay in prison not once but twice. And then begged for the death penalty. Dude. There's a problem there. Now, I did find out there was a like wing, for lack of better terms, at Sheridan Correctional Facility mm-hmm. that will house people like him yeah who fucking dropped the ball you got in you got sheriff saying that he's worse than gacy right and then you have a county prosecutor saying leave him in jail and then you have the actual county saying "Mm, now it'll be fine it'll be good i'm fucking real i hope those parents sued the fuck out of cook county because that's what i would have done yeah without a doubt i I hope they did He knew he was fucked up. Yep. He knew it. He said twice, don't let me out. I don't want to hurt anybody. Man, what a shame. So, again, mental health. It's bad when you know you're fucked up. It's it's terrible when you know you're fucked up. And you know the thought process going through your head. And you do something shitty. And afterwards, you're like, I don't know why I did it, but I couldn't stop doing it. I couldn't help it. it. I told you that before. You know, I mean, when my medic medicine was making me do crazy shit, and you know, I told you, like, I, I'm sorry, I, I cannot fucking control mm-hmm. myself. And then when we take you somewhere to get you help, they're like, "Oh, you have a walker." Yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, a fucking walker. Because your walker affects your brain. Yeah. Cool. Well, Got no, it. it'll, it'll be used as a weapon, dude. Stop. I fucking stop. I need it to walk. Right. I'm not going to use it like a chair in fucking WWE. No, I can't even fucking move my left arm. Which, so what, <laughs> how the fuck am I going to swing it? Dude. I could just picture that. <laughs> Come here, you little fuck. Oh, my God. Oh, that's great. But but that's, that's a fucking problem. Yeah. Which I think why, like... Online help now is is huge, but sometimes people just need to be put somewhere. Oh yeah, and have inpatient, inpatient aggressive yeah help. Oh, I agree. I mean, when I went in, it was it's it's ten times different than <clears throat> doing like an online and, session. And with even someone. then, though, you didn't necessarily get the help that you needed. No, no. I mean, they tried, but it. No. I mean, I'm sure they're only trained so much. Yeah. Because there's only so much money to go around. But, right. you know, you, you finally do get impatient because they lied yeah. about you having a walker. Yeah. And then you don't get the help that you need, but you came out of there knowing you never wanted to go back. Yep. But that doesn't change the fact that you still needed help. Yep. You just knew you didn't want to be there. Yeah. You're so, exactly right. It, you know, they didn't do anything other than make mm-hmm. you miss home. Yep. That's it. Yeah. So then what? Miss home, miss my family, and... That's it. That, that was it. But they didn't get to the underlying root of the problem. No, and it's just, it's so crazy because it was set up like Cook County mm-hmm. Jail. Yep. You know, the, the <clears throat> way the rooms were, the day room, and, and that's all you could do. You know, and they allowed me... I'm Most of the time... Like, they, you had to be in your room. They at least allowed me, because I couldn't walk, they would just put me up against the window so I could look outside. So what that is that for, doing? I did that for hours. What What is that doing? Baby, 
I, I can't even describe to it's you. It's like one this. flew over the cuckoo's nest. Yeah. You just, you, you put them it in a room. It makes you... The, it the makes first you crazier. Days, yeah, the first couple of days, <clears throat> it, it actually made me crazier. Well, and here's the thing, too. If it wasn't for them calling me, you would have been out 48 hours. Yeah. Not even the standard 72. I know. You would have been out in less time than you had petitioned yourself for. Yep. So what are they doing? Not enough. Not enough. And, and like I said, they, they try. You know, there's staff that really I'm sure. give it their all and they try. Their hands are tied. And they care, but it's just, it's not enough. There's not enough resources. No, That's the, the thing. There's, there's not at all. There's not enough training. There's not enough resources. There's not enough room. No. But I feel like... Like the old, you got to spend money to make money. Mm. Spend money now. Yeah. And, you know, expand on the training and your facilities aren't going to be full. Right. Forcing people to sit for hours on end, days on end in the emergency room. Yep. Oh, my God. Mm. I wish. That's why kudos to to Roxanne, for real. Yeah. Thank you. For for getting these clinics going. And, I mean, it's, that's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Yeah, but we, we definitely need it out this way. I would love to. You know. It's crazy. But So. Well, when we become rich and famous, maybe <clears throat> we can. I'm going to. That's that's one of my goals. We need sponsors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. By the way. <laughs> so the next case, it's not. It's, it has a mental health aspect, but mm-hmm. uh, we're doing Natalie Wood next. Mm-hmm. And. She, along with Marilyn Monroe, right. I will say her, um, were two of the very first public figures to really be very open about their mental health. Yeah. Um, and both of them, same like as David Mel, both of them were fucked from the get-go. Right. Like, ugh. Your kid can't go to foster care, so you marry her off? Yeah. But, it's- what? <laughs> Who fucking Dude. does that? Could we marry Lee off? Yeah, right. <laughs> Get a job or you're getting married. Yeah. That's fucking Lord. crazy, dude. I swear. So, Natalie, what is the next case? Yeah. Just that'll, wondering. That'll be a couple of couple of days. I yeah, think. I'm done. So, yeah, we'll we'll just give it a couple of days. Yeah. I do want to say though, for local listeners, mm. um, we're gonna be doing Rachel Mellon. So yeah. if you guys have any insight or information or opinion or fact or anything you want to say, shoot me a message. It's going to be a good case because my dad worked on I the case. I did too. not know that. Yeah. So yeah. we're going to we're going to do that one. So if you guys And it's it's a case local for us, but it's Bolingbrook and if Same age. You guys remember Stacy Peterson? mm mm-hmm. Mhm. From Bolingbrook yep. and Drew, Drew Peterson. Yeah. So. S- Rachel went missing. Um, I mean, we were teenagers. Yeah. We were the same age. She was 13. Yeah. So questions, comments, concerns, anything you guys want me to talk about, not want me to talk about, shoot me a message. Let me know. So mm-hmm. Rachel will be coming up soon because I got to get in touch with a few people. But. Right. Yeah. A few sources. So that's what we're doing. But that'll be a, that'll be a good one. Yeah. Natalie Wood will be good, too. I don't know if you're going to be super interested in Natalie, yeah, Wood, but uh, yeah. you just have your phone ready so you can look on Facebook. So whatever. <laughs> All right. I was just. I know you really I, wanted. Oh to do my it. god! I read her biography, and it, I mean, it read like a dramatic novel. Yeah. Not like somebody's fucking life. Yeah. It was heartbreaking. Mm. So. Well, yeah. that'll be next. That'll be good. And I already have, I'm almost done with the one we're doing after that. Way to stack it up. Yeah. That nice. one's for our uh, Australian listeners. All right. Which I didn't know we had yeah, until the other day. I'm very excited bunch. about that. We got a bunch. So. So thank you guys. Maybe we'll do a Canadian one next. Or UK. We have a lot of UK listeners. I could do a UK. Yep. We're going international. We are. It's what's up. Mm-hmm. Believe so, that. Yeah. So, 
Thank you guys for listening. Hope you enjoyed this one. Patreons, thank you so much. We love you guys. You guys are the best. If you want access to all episodes, please check out our Patreon page, www.patreon backslash that do us part number one. That's it, right? I'm thinking you forgot the dot com. Dot com. Um, and there's three tiers on there, but each tier gets different stuff. Yeah, and but all of them you get access to all the episodes. So and merch soon. Yep. So sign up. Yep. So all sign right. up. So thank you guys, and well, I guess we will be talking to you soon. Bye. Bye.